worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday Morning Hangover. Good morning, San Antonio, and welcome into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM. And AM 1250, I'm James Pledger. I'm joined by my guy Jack Thompson. Yo, yo. And Katie Goodman in studio this morning with us. What's up? We got a full chalk day for y'all when it comes to the sports. Because guess what, guys? Training camps have started. Beautiful. Football season is almost here. And with that means also fantasy football season. Oh, my God. I know Jack is already talking about players he was circling in the draft. Yep, I... I couldn't even tell you how many box I've already done. I can take a rough guess, <laughs> and it probably still falls well short. <laughs> we, like, in my friend um, league that I've been doing since, like, sophomore year of high school with the same buddies, we uh, we finally just got too antsy, mm-hmm. and we did our draft lotto to find out our spots. Yeah, but where are you picking? In, yeah. Where but are you picking? I have third. Or, yeah, third. Do you like being up at the top? Hey, if that means I can get Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry, I'll be fine with it for sure. Likely they go one two though. Yeah, then I'm stuck. Well, I'm not take. I'm not touching Christian McCaffrey. I've seen the demise this man has put on my league before, and if that happens, then I'm going either Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, okay, or Najee Harris. That was actually. Going to be my question is with the way that the league has changed and yeah. so few a running back, mm-hmm. are you looking at receivers earlier than ever before? If if Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry is not there, which I would assume they will go one and two, then yeah, I'm I'm probably going to go receiver. I like Najee though. Yeah, I do love me some Najee here. That yeah, he's an, the only other like true bell cow I would take that high. I mean <laughs> Eckler's Eckler's going to be good. But I don't know if I can take him with three. It's kind of high. Well, just because he is, except for last year, victim to the Christian McCaffrey. But last year, he, I he rode him all year. the way to the ship against you. So, But it is really hard with him yeah. because he is very Christian McCaffrey-like. Not, yeah, that's why I'm not going to touch TMC, so I'm not going <laughs> to make the same the same uh, mistake with Eckler that high. And it's hard to account for injuries like that because... Christian is such a difference yeah, maker if he healthy. Is. And you can say the same thing, much like last year, about an Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. But you, I feel like you have to take that into account yeah. when they've undergone multiple, multiple, multiple injuries throughout mm-hmm. their career. Also, Katie Goodman joining us this morning as we get ready for a big match tonight for SAFC as they get ready to take on the LA Galaxy 2 out at Toyota Field. 
going to be good. We're going to talk a little bit about that coming up a little bit later in the show at 745. But I have a question for both of y'all because I crashed out super early last night. <laughs> I finished up at work early, so I went out. I got my, my day drinking in, got some time by the pool, got me a nice full stomach, put on some Shark Week, and I think I was out by like 6 o'clock. That's the move. <laughs> That's really and truly, that is beautiful. the move. Yeah. It was amazing. Well you got about five times more sleep than I did. <laughs> you still had your fun. <laughs> and the same wow. amount of drinks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was awesome because I hadn't slept that hard and that long in a long time. But I also did something I didn't do in a long time, which is have a very lucid and vivid dream. Like, I feel like most of my dreams are just forgettable a lot of the times. I don't but, even dream most nights, to be honest. Or I don't wake up remembering Exactly. Anything. I don't just, remember most of my dreams. I'm dream. asleep, and then suddenly my eyes are open. Yeah, and exactly. It's a and blank it, period in between. And it feels like it was like 30 minutes ago that you closed your eyes. <laughs> For if me, we're being honest. For me, it depends on if I eat right before I go to bed. If I eat, my dreams are just like off the charts. And, and I weird. did eat before I fell asleep. Well, there you go. That's what it is. I had a really good chest, old time uh, Chester's hamburger with some fries. It was a bacon cheeseburger. It was that would have put me out for a couple hours. Oh, too. yeah. Yeah. That's why you slept so well. For I, don't know. I was out. But I also think I may have cracked the code on the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> Because even in my dreams, I am the biggest nerd I know. I ended up having a dream when it comes to the MCU about how they're going to introduce Victor Von Doom, Dr. Doom. Mm -hmm. So I had this. Were you a character in this dream? I was not. So you were just watching. watching Narrator. Nice. This is like me watching a movie unfold, and that was my dream. Like, I wasn't a part of it. I wasn't in it. Sounds legit. Yeah. But we know Disney Plus is doing a bunch of these uh, animated series coming up. Spider-Man Freshman Year. Yep. Uh, the X-Men 97 reboot. Mm-hmm. And I remembered, like, in Doctor Strange, they had that kind of cartoon universe that they fell through when they were first portaling through everything. And I was like, what if that's how they bring Doctor Doom into the NCU? It's like he's pulled from that cartoon universe. From the uh, universe that... um. America Chavez yeah. them through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so okay, I was like, okay. what if one of these shows and they he somehow gets sucked into the main MCU this way? And it was I woke up, I was like, Did I just crack the code? Should have <laughs> write that down, send it in. Should have emailed him that moment. Right. <laughs> Kevin Feike, to whom it may concern. Yeah. <laughs> HR. I've got uh, questions. But it had you say you haven't done it in a long time, but yeah. do you have like a dream that you just woke up and so vividly remembered that it was like, was that real? <laughs> yeah, there are some dreams that I remember like repeatedly having like as a kid that I would just have all the time. But you haven't it's slept a... that good since you were a kid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably. No, I don't know. Just somewhere along the way, I just like stopped dreaming mm-hmm. or at least remembering my dreams mm-hmm. don't so, stop believing jack <laughs> i don't yeah i don't i don't got anything you can't stop believing 
my thing is like I'll randomly cuss in my sleep or like oh. I move a lot. I'll kick. I'll like jump oh, up, <laughs> go back to sleep. Like, <laughs> so you don't ask cuss. me what's going on in my dreams. Who, it's just I'm like I am fighting. That would <laughs> make me laugh so hard. So hard. I can uh, just yeah. see her like in a UFC fight in her in her dream. Oh just like, my god! Seriously, ask my siblings. She's got just her ask pillow my like in a chokehold. Clay, my younger brother used to talk in his sleep, and we used to share a room when we were kids. And he would talk, and I'd be—I would talk back to him, and he would respond. I thought it was the You're not funniest to do thing. Yeah. Why are you not supposed say, to talk well, back to somebody? You're not, yeah. Well, when people are sleepwalking and like talking, you can like encourage them to keep going, and like you're supposed to just like let them be or whatever. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. I did not know that. I was, now yeah. that I do. There was this girl in college. She used to get up that's and dangerous. slam the drawers. Boom, boom, boom! Like. Not really. Me. It was a. It was my course, other teammates' yeah. roommate. A girl you knew. In yeah, college. yeah, yeah. This person I know. Uh, <laughs> Clay would just be mumbling gibberish, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, Clay, tell me about it." And he would just like keep mumbling gibberish, and I'd be like, "That's crazy, dude!" And he just like <laughs> keep so going off. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I would. I would be. I would be just like you. I would be encouraging. Oh yeah. I would be like. <laughs> So tell me your deepest tell darkest me secrets. more yeah <laughs> like oh you don't say yeah literally i would it would be like a total one-ended conversation <laughs> where clay's saying a bunch of words that don't equal a sentence i'm like dude that's crazy like oh, what I, happened next and he would just like keep going i was, would totally i'd be like so funny of course you should go swimming right now <laughs> Oh my gosh. I would be the worst. No, oh my, my brother gosh. is the heaviest sleeper I think I've ever met. So he's never been a sleepwalker. Like, he's glued to that bed once he's in there. But he I would am, start talking and I would keep him going. It was definitely hilarious. I am pretty close to about as heavy a sleeper as you can get because sometimes I need to be shaken awake. But that's a very. Oh, yeah. That's a, that is a dodgy situation because I'll come up like ready to fight oh no <laughs> throwing hands like yeah like i am not i don't yeah. i don't like being like shaken or startled awake for whatever same. reason same if i'm in a deep sleep you don't want to mess with me it's my mom not gonna be good my mom used to when she would wake us up for school she used to have to spray clay like with a, <laughs> a spray bottle to wake him up oh my god like he's a cat or something like he he comes up swinging. he hibernates no he's oh. just like where am i guys my dad had a bullhorn Oh, so Lord. he would just come in and mine has was... to be the loudest most annoying ringer to get me to like wake oh, I'm up a, i'm a light sleeper like I, mine is so loud and so annoying and i will snooze it like three times i was gonna say are you like the five alarms person or like no, I'm two one, alarms i'm person? one alarm but i snooze three times five minutes apart oh, i'm like i set my alarm every like 10 minutes apart for like an hour and then i get up no <laughs> I'm good with, with one alarm. I could even wake up to like my phone like just vibrating. See, really? like last night, as you noticed, I didn't respond to either of y'all. Yeah, until I was like, I woke up this I, morning. Yeah, I texted you closer to the end of my shift. And I was like, dang, did he already cancel the show? He hasn't <laughs> responded. I was like, no, I didn't cancel the show. But um, yeah, I, your your text didn't get him. Your messages didn't get them. I woke up to like three or four missed phone calls, and my my ringer is super annoying. <laughs> yeah, nobody texts pledge after five p.m. because oh, you're allowed to. Out. It's not going to. It's just not going to wake me up. Yes, yeah, so you're just not going to get a response. 
But I will respond when I wake Usually up. Usually, pledge is up as late as I am. That's yes. why I was yeah, like, that's true. what's on a Friday, going on? Yeah. On Friday, you yeah. never know. Uh, like, I will be out until 2 o'clock most, most Fridays. But I just did it backwards this time. I got off, like, super early. So I went way. out super early. I feel like this show has been a great excuse for me to be a hermit at home. I'm like, sorry, I can't. I have to go to sleep early when I'm like low key watching TV. Oh, like absolutely. You're, you're going to be one. up. Like, yeah. I should go to sleep now. Next thing you know, it's like 1230. It's like, um, yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, brain. Guys, training camp is here. The NFL season is upon us. We are. Next weekend will be our last fo- uh, weekend without football until February. And even after that, remember, we've got the new XFL season. Mm. we got a team here in San Antonio. So does that team have a name yet? It does, but it doesn't. Hmm. That makes sense. We were it's very ta- San Antonio. We were talking with Heinz Ward, the head coach of the Heinz. new XFL San Antonio team. Um, he was on with R&R this morning. If you want to check that out, you can always go to our podcast page in the audio vault at sasportstar.com. Check that out there. But Heinz alluded to us that, yes, we asked, is it just the XFL San Antonio or is this a team with a name and a color scheme and all these things? And he said, there is a name. He cannot reveal it for fear of being fired. <laughs> he, was, he kept saying, y'all trying to get me fired on my day off. <laughs> and so there is a color scheme that he said that San Antonio will really get behind and a name. So, but it can't be the same as the Spurs. Like, why not? SAFCs this. Well, they're yeah. mostly red and black, but they're but also they under elements. the sports, the the Spurs SFB, Sports and Entertainment. Yeah. Sure, yeah, but there's nothing. That's true. I mean, to you be can't said that you can't not use the same colors. No, that's true. That's true. I don't care. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping. That it is opposite is not uh, black and silver. Or just, black yeah, and white. don't let it be black and white or black and silver. I'm kind of hoping they go with like the fiesta. Yeah, that's colors. what I was envisioning. Make yeah. it fun like, for that sure. That would be yeah. legit. Yep, that'd so, be dope. That's the great part about that is now we get to speculate until they tell us what it is. We should take bets. Totally. I want to know who's on the team. Yeah. Well, I imagine that draft is coming after the. Analysis. Oh, so there's not even. No roster. No, there's not a roster because if you think about it, hope the, the people you would be bringing in—that's true—are are going to be cut. They're from... going to be cut from camps, that's and fair. also uh, the fair. college football season. The people that go pro mm-hmm. that don't make a roster. Yeah. So yeah. I was going to say this is going to be a great segue league, kind of like in soccer, all the yeah. amateur leagues. It's, it's going to be the same. Well, thing. I mean, think about it. The Dallas Cowboys signed the USFL's MVP this week. The MVP of the USFL, that spring league that started up What's in... What's his name? T- first name? is I know his last name is Turpin. Cavante Turpin. Turp. Cavante Turpin. Man got some speed. Receiver, speed, returner. Speed. And that's the most important thing, I think. Yeah, get as CD pop- out of there. <laughs> you're getting CD out of the return game. Unless you kind of really need him like you did with Dez back in the day. Dez was a different cat, man. He wanted that. I Can we say that CD doesn't want no, that? No, I mean like... The physicality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he gives you something that, mm-hmm. you know. No, for it's sure. It's one less reason to worry about. Yeah. 
CD exposing himself to injury. Yeah, yeah. Throughout the season, he can singularly focus on being the number one receiver now, which is something he's going to have to adjust to, and that's something we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show he's as ready. we get ready because we talked about last week with Amari Cooper and whether he was ready. And he said he he been ready. He been that dude. He's he's ready without a doubt. He's going to kill it this year. And Mike McCarthy also spoke when it comes to C.D. Lamb a lot about what to expect from him as he's becoming the number one receiver for the Dallas Cowboys this year. Well, I, I think it's like anything that, you know, the light's brighter, you know, both, you know, as far as internally, as far as the responsibility opportunities that, that, he, that, he's, that he's given, but also, you know, the way defenses will, will react to him, you know, and I think... Really, when you look at CD and that you know the, the group of group of receivers in Green Bay, and it's you know it's it's very similar to how we we do it in here in Dallas. You know, the ability for receivers to play inside and outside to me to to, to me is a, at a pre at a premium because you know it's you know, when you only play one or the other, it's it, you're making it's a lot easier for the defense to to take it away. So, and I, I think really CD's experience. Of playing so much in a slot last year is only going to help him now that he's at the flanker. So I mean, you know, the, the ability for him to be in the one spot, you know, the two spot in the slot, and also the three spot. So uh, we got to move him around. So in, with that, that, that we should be able to create more opportunities for him. And that's the most important thing I think he said right there at the end is the ability to move him around because a lot of time number ones straight up flanker, you're putting them on the outside. Yeah, but. He referenced Devontae Adams and what they did up in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. You see them put him in the slot, just try and get him matchups to force getting him the ball, which is something I hope we get to see more of because at times it felt like the offense with Kellen Moore was more about Mm -hmm. you're going to this matchup, this person, this, this is what it dictates rather than I gotta force the ball and get it to my number one. Like yeah. he's gonna be open regardless. I gotta make sure that he gets the ball. And I think that's the difference. Or at least I hope that's the difference from what we see this year in the Cowboys offense from last year to this year is making sure that your playmakers are touching the ball at all times. Yes. We need him to be in that Devontae Cooper Cup role where He's going to line up at, like Mike said, all three slots on mm-hmm. as a receiver, run all the route trees from each side. I'm very excited to see how we use CD. I mean, think about the U.S. women's national team. If they just, all right, today's game plan, uh, we're, we're not trying to get the ball to Alex Morgan. Right. <laughs> you know? That change coach wouldn't your, have a job. Change while. your entire team strategy to fit your superstar. Sometimes, you know, superstars surrounded by all stars. Like it's the same. What the best sport. coaches do, right? Well, that mixed in with going in under a new coach, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a lot. It's and a this lot. is year three. Year three for not only McCarthy but McCarthy working with Kellen Moore, and he spoke about kind of what it's been like for him this year this offseason as they get ready to go into their third season together and how much better the communication has gotten within the team so uh, you always miss the things that the comp anything that has to do with the competition of the game yeah you definitely definitely miss that I, I miss you know I miss certain aspects of game planning and, and things like that but yeah I mean calling plays is is the ultimate competitive opportunity uh, on game day you know you have 
you have play callers on all three phases. But yeah, it's it's definitely something I, that I enjoyed. But you know, I have great confidence in Kellen. Uh, I just, I, I, you know, this is year three. Him and I were just talking about this the other day. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's refreshing now when you you get to this point as a coaching staff. Like, I mean, you go to the post practice video. I, I mean, it, just the communication of everybody's on the same page. You know, our evaluation, our process of correcting and evaluating is so much cleaner. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of. Okay, what about this? We're kind of, we've had all those conversations, so I think our staff, you know, clearly all the way through, uh, you know, the, the cohesiveness, the understanding, uh, the collaboration, uh, you know, is is so so much so much better than we were the first two years, which is which is natural. But and, and I think with that, that that helps any play caller, and I think it'll definitely help Kellen. Year three is going to be big for all parties involved because. Sean Payton's name still floating around out there, and it feels like they have a pretty legit in-house candidate with Dan Quinn as well. If the Sean Payton aspect doesn't work out, mm-hmm. and he doesn't decide to come to Dallas for whatever reason, whether it's money, whether it's power, whether it's the ability to do something, it feels like this is a huge year, not only for Mike McCarthy, but for Kellen Moore as well. San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 12.50. Look, there are a lot of things to be excited for when it comes to training camp, but there is also a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the future landscape of college football, and we're going to get into that next as the Pac-12 commissioner seemingly taking shots at the Big 12, but should he be? We'll get into it next right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 12.50. Texas Rangers baseball plays here. Deep out to right, and it is gone! San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Yeah, we've, we've had two board meetings a week for the last four weeks, and uh, looking my colleagues in the eye and understanding their commitment and that their first priority is making sure that the Pac-12 survives and thrives and grows and is successful. They're committed to the conference, and I think the best thing to do is to ask them about it. And with respect to the Big 12 being open for business, I appreciate that. We haven't decided if we're going shopping there yet or not. <laughs> that was Pac-12 Commissioner George Klivkoff throwing a little bit of shade at the Big 12 and their new commissioner and Brett Yorkman. I feel like that is an unnecessary grenade for them to lob, seeing as the two yeah. sides were talking just last week about potentially combining into mm-hmm. like a a big pack or something Mm -hmm. in terms of keeping up with what the big 10 is doing and what the sec is doing the the big pack 24 (laughs) exactly like putting numbers on it already (laughs) there's gotta be numbers there There has has to be be numbers there has to be numbers people who don't know who's and what and Barely any of the numbers are correct anyways. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, it doesn't make sense at all. I don't know a number that is correct because the Big 12 had 10 for the longest time. And now I think they're up to 14. The Big 10's got like 16. Yeah. (laughs) And hasn't been 10 for a while. The Pac-12's had like 14 teams or something. I think it it may actually be correct for the first time in a long time. After losing USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, 24-37. Yeah. <laughs> I vote on a name change, especially if they're going to do anything differently. But this is, this is the future 
which is mega conferences yeah. and acquiring assets that allow you to thrive and be more. And the pack, the the excuse me, the Big Twelve has already been talking with Pac twelve teams, like both Arizona teams, mm-hmm. Colorado, mm-hmm. Utah, Stanford, and Stanford. UT, uh, Oregon, which. Oregon and Washington, which would be huge coups because those are the two biggest names left in that conference. Yeah. Oregon and Washington are, you think? Oregon for sure. What what school would be bigger than Oregon and Washington? Arizona. That, that is left in the Pac-12. Arizona. Because of basketball? I would say both. I mean, Arizona's never great at football, but I would say. I think they've been overtaken by Arizona State in football over the last few, probably know, five six years, and it's a great basketball program. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's but it's blood. a lot like Kansas. <laughs> yeah. You're fair. good at one thing right now. That's fair. <laughs> it le- like and we all knew no outside of say a Kansas football drives the needle, and that's why Kansas is less relevant in the grand scheme of the Big Twelve is because they're really tell really that to good Texas. at one thing. <laughs> I mean, that felt like an unnecessary <laughs> pot shot right now. <laughs> uh, tell that to Texas's bank account at the end of the year. <laughs> that's, that's how you know that Texas is one of the massive players when it comes to things, is despite being, let's call it what it is, irrelevant in football for the past decade, outside of the one year where they went up and, and won a, a Sugar Bowl, Mm-hmm. they've been wholly irrelevant when it comes to football and are coming off a 5-7 and seven season in which they did lose to a Kansas, yet they're still one of the top eight most recognizable brands in all of Oh, yeah, football. that's never going to go away. But there are teams that, like Arizona, that have to be relevant in football in order to get their brand, brand name recognition out there. And I think that's what celebrates Alabama, Texas, USC, from other schools is their recognition whether they're good or not in football Mm -hmm. and them being good is only going to raise that bar like Lincoln Riley at USC is about to make USC a powerhouse again I believe when it comes to brand recognition money that they can make like Lincoln Riley and USC feels like a match made in heaven oh yeah he hit the the transfer portal like Shaka Smart did, man. Right? Or yeah, or not Shaka Smart, but uh Chris Beard. Chris Beard, yeah. He on paper, they might have the best roster. It's just can Jordan, they mesh? Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams, yeah. like they've oh yeah brought in a massive amount of yeah, talent. That's ridiculous. But in terms of a brand and recognition and mega conferences, I don't know if I'd be lobbing these grenades that George Kladikoff continues to try and lob at the Big 12. I've been spending four weeks trying to defend against grenades that have been lobbed in from every corner of the Big 12, trying to destabilize our remaining conference. And I understand why they're doing it. When you look at the relative media value between the two conferences, I get it. I get why they're scared. I get why they're trying to destabilize us. But I was just tired of that. Trying to destabilize us. I know they're scared of what we are. don't think the Big 12 is scared of what you are, man. You've already lost your two top 
Exactly. And and this is about more than trying to destabilize a conference. This isn't has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Despite you trying to make it about you, this is about trying to survive against the Big Ten and the SEC yeah. and trying to grow to make sure that you're one of those few major conferences in all sports yeah. that has a say in something that has a chance at a college football playoff still. I feel like he kind of has to go about it like that. You know, like he has to like, I feel like that's just like something a like a commissioner would say who's been offended by losing their top two teams. Just the Pac-12 has always been at least as long as I, since, I don't know, Reggie Bush, they've been like USC. Yeah. They've, they've been, been USC. the like youngest brother of the college football landscape, like there it's are USC so USC and Oregon, because remember with yeah. Chip Kelly in Oregon, like that's where they mm-hmm. started kind of yeah. flexing their. So football. I guess since since Mariota, you can probably take it back that far. Mm-hmm. That was the ba- last time like the Pac-12 had a super legit team that had a chance to win it all. So they're always been the baby brother. So you just. Well, what is he supposed to say? Oh, yeah, it happens. I guess. Well, like, he's supposed to be angry and fight about it. Otherwise, he'll probably get fired. Well, it's not. And I think this is what a lot of it has to deal with is self-preservation. Yeah. Or the brand new commissioner of the Pac-12 in which your two biggest entities left while you were on vacation fishing in a river in Montana. Yeah. Like. They did this under your nose, and mm-hmm. a lot like the Big 12, they were offended that Texas and OU made this decision, which left the conference vulnerable, but what did the Big 12 do? They looked to expand. Yeah. They looked to preserve themselves. They went and got some major media markets when it comes to Cincinnati, and you get that kind of Ohio Midwest media market with Cincinnati and all of a sudden you pull a UCF which you're getting into the Florida markets over there mm-hmm. you end up pulling BYU which is an independent had like a massive following yeah oh yeah much the same way not to the same scale as a Notre Dame but BYU did do itself very well in building up that kind of mm-hmm. Utah oh yeah area market of you know Mormons well, yeah I was <laughs> right. gonna say Mormons <laughs> but I mean, they are the school that you're going to, if you are, mm-hmm. be kind of tied to, yeah. and they've made their way into the Houston media market, bringing Houston into this, and that's a huge media market for them yeah. to kind of latch onto. Man. So with those additions, with the exit of Texas and OU, and now looking at kind of the schools that they've circled, Washington, Oregon. Big media markets. Oregon's probably the biggest brand name left in the Pac-12. And then the Arizona schools, which gives you kind of at least closer proximity to the Big 12. Yeah, there's no reason not to look at these schools. Colorado was a part of the Big 12 at one point, so that makes sense. And Utah is close to that, so it gives you natural rivalries as well. Mm -hmm. The the Big 12 is doing their due diligence while it feels like the Pac-12 not only being reactionary and caught off guard but if you aren't open for business and you think you can sustain the way things currently are you're done yeah i think you're looking at a a, the conference of champions outside of basketball becoming wholly irrelevant 
I mean, even <laughs> even in basketball now, all you really got is Arizona and Oregon that are teams that Especially are Especially with UCLA leaving. Yeah. So when when does all this Big Twelve come together? I uh, believe twenty twenty three or four. Well, or I think it's three. I think, I think it's next year for the for Cincinnati and Abai coming to the Big Twelve. Nice. But that's going to be with Texas and OU because yeah. they're not leaving till twenty five. Dang, Big Twelve. I mean, football is going to be awesome. But you know me, I'm thinking straight to basketball. <laughs> Houston, Texas. That basketball conference Kansas, is going Houston, to be Kansas, insane. Cincinnati. Oh my god! Top conference for basketball, maybe. It it already yeah it's been right there neck and neck with the Big Ten for a while, and the SEC is really on the come up too. But man, that's gonna be a rough conference. You can make the argument that over the past three to five years, the Big Twelve has been the superior conference when it comes to basketball. Yeah, easily. Yeah. He is Jack Thompson. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pudger. You can follow us on Twitter. He is at Jack underscore Thompson 33. She is at I'm Katie Goodman. I am at I am Pledger. <laughs> of course, we're going to get into the NFL train camps, the Dallas Cowboys, what to expect coming up later. But next, we shift to basketball as a big name left the Spurs this week, and it kind of caught everybody off guard. I want to find out what this means for the future of the San Antonio Spurs. Jack, Katie, and myself will discuss it next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Stay in the know with San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.1 FM on Facebook, Twitter, Tinder, and Instagram. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman. Follow us on Twitter. He is at Jack underscore Thompson 33. She is at I'm Katie Goodman. I am at I am Pledger. And of course, you can follow the station at SA Sports Star. Guys, big move happened this week in the NBA as the Spurs lost what is widely known as the best shooting coach in all of the league in Chip England. Chip England, we knew, was leaving at the end of his contract, but it was very vague. We didn't know when his contract ended. I looked, Apparently, it was this summer. I looked everywhere. everywhere to find out his contract, and I could literally find nothing. It's insane. So there are a lot of things that are happening, especially when it comes to the San Antonio Spurs, and the future of this organization. Brett Brown coming back, who oversaw the process in Philadelphia after leaving San Antonio the first time. do like that a lot. Greg Popovich, we don't know what his shelf life is, but when it comes to, and according to Woj, this Woj. was due to a contract. Mm -hmm. They could not come to terms on a contract, and that is why he is leaving to go to the Oklahoma City Thunder, which... Man, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Chet Holmgren. Oh, like, he gonna turn Giddy into Giddy. a problem. Giddy already is a. Problem. I know, but he gonna be make him like a pure shooter. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Watch out for loss. OKC. It's a That's huge a loss, loss because I would make the argument that on a rebuilding team, 
mm-hmm. with all of these young players. Mm-hmm. There is no more important coach to this rebuild than would have been Chip England. Right. Like, how could you lose someone like that? Someone who's so integral to that rebuild. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's not like there's a salary cap on coaches. coaches. Exactly. So, like, were they just being frugal? Is he just over the spurs and wants to try something new? I mean, 17 years. Yeah. That he's been there. That's a lot. You're, I mean, you're uprooting your entire life, going to a whole new culture, new team. Like, but, there had to have been some sort of drama. There's something there, right? Because I can't look at this and be like, the Spurs were like, because they're so family-oriented, right? Because once you're in the inner circle and being here for 17 years, it really felt like Chip was a part of that inner circle yeah. with RC and Pop and... Like, there has to be something greater there than just a contract. Like, well, his what? leaving. Because I I say he is the most important part to a rebuild because I look at Pop. I don't know how long he's going to be around. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to finish this thing out in terms of the process it's going to take to get back to relevancy by the time these young kids are ready to compete again. Mm-hmm. So the most important part is making sure that You've got a guy that helped refine the shots of Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker and Danny Green and so many others Kel- throughout the Spurs. Keldon Johnson, yeah. who jumped up to a 40% DeJounte. shooter right. this year. DeJounte turning into completely. a mid-range. Like, he brought so many players along mm-hmm. and helped them with their shot. And I always want to give the players the credit as well. Chip basically shows them the way Mm -hmm. the players put in the hours of work that it takes to refine their shot and become as great as they do. So I do not want to take away from the players and be like, oh, it's all Chip England. No, Chip England is a part of the solution. The players put in the work and Mm -hmm. they put in a ton of work. Because when you talk about rebuilding a shot from the ground up, you have no idea how hard that is. So many hours of work. A really solid part solid piece of that puzzle and like as someone who has been coached by good coaches and bad coaches like it makes a difference like you want someone like that around you and on your team because they just bring a plethora of knowledge that you're not going to find from anybody else yeah so it comes to what is the direction of the san antonio spurs now because it felt like he was going to be a huge part of the direction of the spurs and now i don't think the direction has changed the direction is the direction. They are in full tank mode yeah. and getting ready for next season for Victor Wimbiamba or Scoot Henderson or whoever it may be mm-hmm. that's going to be in the top three to four. And next year, by all accounts, another top four kind of class, much like this one was. Mm, this one will be deeper. It'll be deeper, but, you know, in terms of the players. No, I'm saying like. No, no, I'm aware that the of the depth, but I'm talking about the the names that they're going to talk about. It's going to be three or four at the top of this class, I believe. I we'll see. There's there's a lot of guys out there. Sure, I'm telling you, like I would say, probably to like eight or ten outside. I think Victor is set in stone one. Mm-hmm. But I would say two to probably eight. Anyone could go anywhere. Sure. Sure. Watch out. Yeah, there's a couple bigs out there that if we don't get Victor, I would be supremely happy with. Namely, Derek Lively mm-hmm. going to Duke and Kellel Ware going to Oregon. Mm-hmm. So, 
There's a, there's a lot of talent. And one of the top 10 projected prospects also in the Texas commit as well. So, I mean, there are a ton. Dylan? Yeah. Yeah. So, there are a ton of names that are going to be in this draft. But I look at the future, and when I say the future of the Spurs, yes, I know the future of the Spurs is a tank right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying the future of the Spurs in terms of a clear lineage because we don't know the length of pop. The coaching staff is radically changed mm-hmm. underneath him. Brett Brown is really the only assistant on staff that has any kind of tenure that we know of when it's come to any kind of knowledge of the Spurs. There's Quinn Snyder kind of wait, waiting out in the wings that okay. has been tied to San Antonio in rumors, but Will Hardy's gone, mm-hmm. took the Utah job. Ime's gone. He's just went to a finals in Boston. Becky is doing superb things yep. when we talk about what the Las Vegas Aces have done this year. They scored like 100 over like four games in a row. It's mm-hmm. like the longest streak in WNBA history. And Pretty sick. Kelsey Plum just tearing it up. They won the, uh, what do they call that thing, the Commander's Cup or whatever their midseason tournament is yeah. for the WNBA, which the NBA is now trying to institute as well. And I look at this coaching staff, and there's just a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And those questions lead me to believe what is the direction of this franchise. Because usually when you're rebuilding, much like the Rockets did, there is a set path. Yeah. You understand what's going on. You bring in a very young coach to hopefully mold these players and Steven Silas and a young GM and Raphael Stone. And everything had a clear path. We are young, we are ripping it to the studs, and we're going down this path. And Steven Silas has been giving all the freedom in the world, knowing that it was going to be a process. We looked at what the 76ers did with Brett Brown, and there was a clear process in mm-hmm. place while he was there. I'm sure they have a development plan. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep Pop around, you know, for this coming season, maybe have an assistant coach who they think could be the head coach just to get some of his influence to see how he does things and then take that assistant coach and put him in Pop's place for the following season. You I know, thought- so that it's more of a transition out versus a hard cut. Like, oh, bye, see ya, not working. We're just going to scrap it all. You know, like, I still think Pop has a lot to give. I mean, Years and years of experience and tenure, like yeah. You but know. when Pop took over this team, it was a ready-made team. Mm-hmm. Like he was ready to go compete for titles immediately. They got Tim Duncan, and and they had David Robinson coming off of injury. Like this team was ready to compete for a title, and all he did was lead. I've never seen Pop lead a rebuild. And I mean, so he's gonna. So do you think they're gonna can him? It's never. not about canning him. No. It's about... Never would happen. Is, is he say, the I, right person for a rebuild? Because as we saw, it is different for different coaches. Like, Phil Jackson is a great guy as long as you have the talent around him and he can manage those egos and bring those talents, those people. Different coaches are needed for different processes. Yeah, There are coaches that are that are made to win titles and, and be a part of of that type of of setting and then there are coaches specifically that you need to kind of see yourself through a rebuild that kind of lay the groundwork of what will eventually be a championship team and the fact that we've never seen pop do this before he may be the greatest coach of all time that also may not be his foray 
Yeah. Or it might be if we haven't seen him do it yet. Who knows? Who knows what this guy's capable of, right? I mean, he's done a lot of great things. What I had heard is that supposedly Pop and Chip were supposed to go out together this summer. Like, retire. Mm Mm-hmm. Pop backed out, which, you know, made Chip unsure about his future. The Spurs were trying to lock him in for a while so that he could... You know, build up these younger guys. They wanted to. Br- they wanted to bring him back on a multi-year deal. But Chip didn't want to be locked in, supposedly on a long-term deal with the uncertainty of Pop. Mm-hmm. And then you know things just kind of went downhill from there in the negotiations. And you know, as soon as Chip became available, every team in the league hit him up. <laughs> Every team. Absolutely. I believe the only one that may not have would have been Golden State. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be, I think it really just affects us the most over the next probably like two years because after that, there will probably be no one on the roster who ever even worked under Chip except for, you know, Keldon and, and Devin, but. I think, and the thing is, like, being there for 17 years, of course, you're not going to have the, you know, the inside stuff that comes with Chip, but you've got the mold of what he's done. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all written down. You've got the drills. You've got, you know, all the work that needs to be put in. It's just you don't have the the little things that he can, you know, Mm -hmm. give you as being him being there himself. So I think in the short term that's going it's going to be it's going to suck for sure. I mean, I really wanted him to help Jeremy along with his shot. Yeah. But I think in the grand scheme, I don't think it'll be that huge a deal after next year and probably the following too, but it's just, you know, 17 years, it's a lot for sure to lose just, you know, in a snap of a finger, but mm-hmm. I wonder how long his contract is with OKC and if there's a chance that he would ever come back without Pop. No, I, I don't think he'd ever come back without Pop because they were supposed to retire together mm-hmm. and Pop backed out. And I'm sure that kind of, you know, definitely caught him by uh, surprise and probably upset him a little bit. Yeah. What if he retired? And that was the thing. He retired. And then when Pop said, never mind, he's like, oh, well, I guess I got to find somewhere else to go. What if that was the case? I think he was fully planning on retiring. Chip mm-hmm. England had two feet out the door and, you know, was pulling his coattail behind him. <laughs> and Pop was like, you know, I think I'm going to stay. I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. <laughs> so. And it you, made sense. We talked about, you know, seeing the Olympics through. Mm-hmm. And that was probably going to be Pop's last hurrah. Like, we all kind of circled. Like, him winning a gold medal mm-hmm. was the the final feather in the cap of his career. 656 ESPN, 210-656-3776 on the Kielbasa Bacon phone lines. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star. When we come back, San Antonio FC going for their seventh straight win later tonight. We're going to break it down with Katie coming up next right here on the Saturday morning hangover. And we're going to talk some UFC 277 with Brandon Medina as Pena Nunes main event 
up in Dallas. He's got boots on the ground up there. We're going to get the latest from Brandon Medina coming up at 8.30. But coming up next, some soccer talk with Katie Goodman coming up on here on the Saturday Morning Hanger. San Antonio Sports Star, 941 FM and AM 1250. KTFM Forest Live, local, loud. KCDC, San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 941 FM and AM 1250. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday Morning Hangover. Good morning, San Antonio, and welcome into hour number two of the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. I'm James Pledger. I am joined by Jack Thompson, as always, and our good friend Katie Goodman. Guys, the NFL season is around, but it always feels like it's NFL season because the storylines never die. Mm -hmm. The storyline that took over the media this week happened to be Kyler Murray's contract extension, which we had been waiting for, but then there was some verbiage in his contract apparently, in which he had to do four hours of independent film study per week. And that blew up and took over the media. They have since removed this clause as of yesterday, and I just, I, I can't understand why a a clause like this, I understand why it's put in, because there are multiple. We found out this week that Zion Williamson has a weight clause in his latest Supermax that he just signed. So I understand there are clauses like this in contracts all the time. There was a big deal made about this because of questioning Kyler Murray's work ethic. But then the removal of said was it Burbage. only specific to his contract? Did anybody else have that in? Was it that just like a blanket statement added moving forward? No, I mean, contracts are specifically worded, which is why you hire agents. Right. Because you're always putting things in. Like, there mm-hmm. are NFL players that have weight clauses in their contract, much like Zion Williamson's going to have mm-hmm. in his NBA contract. Like, these are things that get added. Now, it's not heard of to have an independent film study for a quarterback, but it wouldn't shock me if it's the not the first one ever at the same time, but because of who Kyler Murray is, people went, looked at the contract, because once the contract's signed, it becomes public record. I think it's also like, it's not necessarily that it's questioning his work ethic, but maybe there's something that they see in him that he needs to work on to be his best self, and in order to do that, he needs to watch game tape x amount of times but i also feel like that's a given like that's just a straight up given that an athlete should be doing anyway so i don't know maybe they just needed something to pick apart and get extra specific about who i knows? see jack rolling his eyes <laughs> knowing the history between the aggies and kyler murray oh uh, yeah i mean <laughs> dude's a prima donna there's oh, no man. if ands or buts about that but he did also specifically say word for word I'm not one of those quarterbacks that's going to lock myself in a room and study tape. Sure. And so, I mean. But at the same time, do you think that he's gotten as far no, as he's of had? of course not. Enjoying the success he's of had. Of course and not. As he said, at his size, which is unprecedented for an NFL quarterback to become as good as he has. Of course not. Without watching film. No, of course not. But. Well, that's hard to defend with that information. You know, it's 
Yeah, he. I mean, he he came out and said that, and and it's hard a- to argue that because to think that he he could do this. No, I mean, based on no, I don't think anyone believes that, but I don't know. Something about Kyler Murray just, it even while he was way. at A&M, still just... It rubs you the wrong way. Yeah. And... Like, he comes off as that guy. Well, I mean, <laughs> his entire life, he has been that guy. He's the most winning high school quarterback in Texas. Not, high... not that guy. I meant that guy. Oh. Well, okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> You know the DB. Mm-hmm. No, and for sure about, about that. He's backs. <laughs> very, very into himself. There's no doubt about that. Great quarterback, but and what we've seen in his young career, when the bright lights are on and it's the moment, he hasn't been able to deliver. And you know, some of that has to fall back on how truly prepared are you for this. So, it was a weird clause for sure because that's just something you would outright expect from your quarterback. I mean, four hours a week. Yeah. That's nothing. nothing. Yeah. That's literally nothing. Tom so Brady the fact, probably puts that in a day. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that they gave him four hours in a week tells me that they don't think he's doing a whole lot. Cause that definitely settled somewhere in the middle. Now the reason, the reasoning of taking it out now, I think it, it shines a, a light on a particular situation that maybe the Cardinals felt was a problem. Mm-hmm. And now that the light has been shined, that you you cannot unsee what you've seen all of a sudden. So when struggles do happen, whether that clause is in there or not, that's going to come into question. So they feel like now that it's been exposed, he's almost going to be goaded now into changing the perception around him right I mean I just kind of feel like NFL teams don't care that much even if something like this were to get attention so it sounds like they're trying to remedy the situation based on the reaction Mm -hmm. as though hey this is not correct we're going to withdraw this statement or this clause so you know because otherwise like they could care I think they could really care less if someone gives their player crap because that's part of it that's what you sign up for you get crap from all angles all the time as an athlete at that level so it must have been their them backpedaling a little bit and you know now concerned one person that has let's say uh, um had a very very public perception of him has been Zion Williamson, who has now gotten a very, very public addendum in his contract, which is a weight clause, which allow, makes him be under a combined 295 when dealing with both his weight and his body mass index, which, you know, 15% body fat, whatever it is, that allows you to be... 280? I hope to God you ain't 280, Zion. Good Lord. But he has to keep it under 295. I feel like that should be pretty easy for him. I'm not sure. I feel like weight is a terrible indicator of overall health because muscle mass, muscle weighs more than fat. Like, 
And they've even said in the past, like, he gains muscle really easily. So it's it would be, if he's in the tip-top shape of his life, he could still surpass that number. And I think it needs to be more about body fat ratio. It needs to be how he moves mechanically. Mm-hmm. He has knee and ankle issues on the right yeah. side. There's clearly an imbalance. Mm-hmm. What he needs is a proper physical therapist and personal trainer working out the body mechanics and making sure those weak spots are strong. Oh, I mean, he definitely has that. They've completely changed his running gait since mm-hmm. he's been in the NBA. So there's That's he's so hard to do. He's got all the help. It's just, you know, his body, like you said, it, it gains muscle and fat pretty easily. Mm-hmm. We've seen super buff Zion. We've seen overweight Zion mm-hmm. in his short career in the NBA. So, but I'm just saying, like, the pop- dude's 6'5". I think you could keep it under 280. The problem with Zion is, for me, it's the amount of weight he, he carries with that level of explosion. Like, that is not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that leads to long-term health issues. So this weight clause helps at least understand the underlying issue of you need to be at a certain target or if that falls out of whack, you are, you're doing yourself a disservice. I do believe that that's played a large part in a multitude of his injuries throughout his career because that much weight should not be able to have that much explosion. Right. And when you're talking about the pressure it puts on your joints to not just go up but come back down from things like that at mm-hmm. that right. weight, that is not good for a body. But that's also why you have to just be – mechanically sound with muscle mass in the right spots you know like i mean with the right muscle mass in the right spots your body's moving mechanically well like it like weight can really vary in Mm -hmm. that situation despite how big you are like that's why you you surround these joints with solid muscles and mobility and you know now one contract that does not have a clause that we know of is deshaun watson who is 230 fully guaranteed and it is crazy. We still have not had a decision mm-hmm. from Sue L. Robinson on what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson this upcoming season because there have been talks about suspensions from two to eight. There have been talks about suspension for an entire year. No one knows which direction that Sue L. Robinson is going to go with the decision on Deshaun Watson and the multiple, multiple sexual assault and sexual misconduct complaints that were brought against him in the last two years. He has settled with 20 of them. Four still remain. The Houston Texans settled 30. So I'm guessing that includes not only the ones that he didn't settle, but the ones that dropped off of the case when it was first brought to light when they were going to go public there was a lot more names but once they said that your names will become public record and you have to identify yourself people dropped off initially when it came to these suits i imagine those are also people that the texans ended up settling with which is why it's at 30 while deshaun's only dealing with 24 so i look at this and i'm like I understand that there is a process that is going to go into this in terms of wanting to get this right. But there is going to be backlash, I think, no matter which way they go. If they go too heavy, 
there's going to be backlash that way. If they go too light, there's going to be backlash that way. I don't think there's a sweet spot for a Deshaun Watson suspension. No, there's no sweet spot. There's, you know, there's no, I mean, there's a right or wrong, but in the sense of that, that you you can't get it right in the terms of the d- suspension. So they're just going to have to settle on something and, and live with what comes back to you. I mean, it's time for a decision. The mm-hmm. Browns need to know. The NFL media and community needs to know. Like, Well, remember, they said they wanted this wrapped up before training camp. Before, the fact that training yeah. camp is now going on, yeah. we see him all the time mm-hmm. on field doing drills throughout this. I, I imagine they don't want this dragging on, especially into the regular season, but I would imagine, especially during the preseason, mm-hmm. when there's multiple availabilities for players to come to the podium and talk. They want a decision on this to kind of at least get this behind them so they, they can move past it being a topic of conversation in the media. My thing is that this is just a league-wide issue, and it's happened multiple times. Like, you don't see this happening in basketball or soccer, and it just makes me wonder, like, what other stops are in place for the future? Like, at what point do you, you know, start identifying when you have players that are acting out of line and, and doing terrible things like this right like it, it should not be a continuous mm-hmm. issue for so many teams mm-hmm. so i don't know it can't be that difficult it can't be how come basketball can keep it together how come <laughs> soccer can keep it together like even anytime baseball. there's somebody who does something they're out even they're out. baseball you look at what they did with trevor bauer Cecilio Dominguez from Austin FC, they just traded him out because of allegations of things that have happened off the field. They just didn't even waste their time with it, you know, like where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think a lot of these other leagues have picked up on that and they just don't even want to deal with the BS. But yet somehow the NFL wants to just invite all the drama because of someone's physical ability. The NFL has always been a player driven league in terms of. The, once you're on the field and performing and performing at a high level, that narrative will disappear, and the NFL knows that. One guy who hasn't gotten a contract yet, Lamar Jackson, entering the final year of his deal. He is a former league MVP, also finished in the top three of an MVP vote uh, a few years ago. Without a contract, both sides still coming to the table, but can we at least give Lamar some flowers when we give so many people so much crap like Kyler Murray for scrubbing their social media and taking themselves out of all things involving the team and holdouts, whether it's the NBA or the NFL, like the way they go about it, they hold out till they get what they want. And I don't disagree with that because Lamar is shown up for camp. He is going through drills. He is doing everything he should. He is not rocked the boat as Mm -hmm. he tries to get this new contract and while we give so many people so much crap for going the other way can we at least give him his flowers for doing what he's we want him to do because i have heard very few congratulations for lamar for handling his business so professionally yeah. within the media. The the biggest thing was he changed his Twitter avatar to I need money, the, the grill <laughs> from freaking how high of I need money. And that's, that is the biggest thing he has done 
this offseason in, re- in regards to this contract extension. Now, I will say that there is a reason people hold out because if something happens during training camp, like we just saw with the Bucks starting center, mm-hmm. one wrong step can alter negotiations. Yeah. Which is why people hold out. Which is, I understand why they do it. But if we're going to give them the grief, can we at least give the kudos? Absolutely. Absolutely. That also seems a little bit unfair to the player, but, I mean, what can you do, right? It's unfair. And I think most people understand it now because once they've done it and it's over and they get what they want, like, all of a sudden, water under the bridge, nobody even brings it up or talks about it anymore. And so I would like to just at least show shine the light that Lamar Jackson has done a very good thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. In terms of it with class, what we sure. usually vilify athletes for doing, even though we shouldn't, mm-hmm. because if you're truly trying to get money, the best way, the, the best weapon in an athlete's arsenal is their own services. So withholding that has always been the only thing that an athlete has in their arsenal when it comes to bringing people to the negotiating table. He is Jack Thompson. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pudger. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover. When we come back, the Dallas Cowboys, have they done enough this offseason? Jerry Jones seems to think so. What does success look like? We'll get into it next right here on the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. How about this, Cowboys? Dallas Cowboys play here. Touchdown, Dallas! San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 1250. We're your home for the Dallas Cowboys, and speaking of which, the Dallas Cowboys have started up training camp, and the star is headed to Oxnard all next week. It is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds, Texas Cheer Liquor, Cowboys Air Conditioning and Heating, and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. Exclusive air views, the latest news, videos, behind-the-scene footage, all available at SA Sports Star next week. Monday, it will be 5 in the morning there. 7 in the morning here when R&R kicks off in the morning. So guys are getting up a little bit earlier than they're used to now that they will be on California time. But the Dallas Cowboys... There is a lot to unpack from last year heading to this year in terms of the Cowboys' expectations for the upcoming season. During their State of the Cowboys address earlier this week, Jerry Jones addressed what constitutes a successful season for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, We have a criticism this year. We won 12 games last year. I have to. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't get a little bit of feel-good out of those 12 games. I understand where our fans are, and they should understand where I am. That's not enough. But it's enough to go again. Jerry, with all that said, what would qualify as a successful season uh, coming up? Well, I need to win it. I need need to win it. Uh, uh, But uh, uh, I'll be candid with you. uh, there's degrees. Uh, I want to be fair to everybody concerned. Uh, we need to uh, 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 be in the playoffs. We need to be viable in the playoffs to have a, be a successful Come on season. now, Jerry. We know all that. It. You had it. You had it. You have to. I have, have to, win to win it. it. I want to win it. 
And then he starts backtracking immediately. Wait, well, wait. Well, we got to make the playoffs. I just want to make the playoffs. We got to be viable. <laughs> <laughs> like, you started walking it back oh, almost no. instantaneously. <laughs> I had it. You had it, Jerry. Oh, man. But when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, and Jack, no bigger fan than you. Yep. The Cowboys offseason has been lacking when you look at what other teams have done. Even even the Chiefs who have lost players, mainly Tyreek Hill, have done things to supplement when you talk about bringing in a Juju Smith-Schuster and a Marquez Valdez-Scantling who's got the speed to help possibly supplement the loss of a Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. You bring in uh, Justin Reed on the back end of that defense. You end up signing just yesterday Carlos Dunlap, a guy who had eight and a half sacks last week, almost 100 over his career, mm-hmm. and helps to add to that defensive line. The Dallas Cowboys, when it comes to the offseason in terms of signing players, have done crickets. Very little. For sure. Very, very little. They have relied on the draft and the draft alone, it seems like. And you see what the Rams have done. They, you know, they end up losing Odell Beckham Jr. to the injury, so they go out and they sign Allen Robinson. They end up bringing in uh, players to help mm-hmm. sup- offset losses that they may have suffered. Even the Bengals, who had lost, uh, or not lost, but knew what their weaknesses were going into that, coming out of that Super Bowl. The offensive line. Blocking for Joe Burrow was a lot of trash. So they go out and sign offensive linemen. They bring in Lyle Collins. Oh, by the way, former Dallas Cowboy. They bring in an Alex Kappa from the uh, Buccaneers. Like mm-hmm. They made sure to address the issues that they saw within their team. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Cowboys let Lyle Collins go. They let Amari Cooper go. They let Randy Gregory go. And have done very little to offset those losses outside of drafting players. Jerry, on if he thinks they've done enough this offseason to constitute winning a title. I thought we had a team put together last year that was healthy enough when we got to the playoffs, which is always my fear is how healthy we're going to be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I thought we had a team put together. This is, I knew we were going to have adjustments to this team coming into this year. You always do. But I knew we had a couple of our best shots out there financially last year. And so before we even started the season last year, I knew we were going to be making some adjustments uh, with our, our, our uh, players this year. Uh, we had it teed up pretty good. And in my mind, in my mind, we made a hell of a run at it. Uh, we got disappointed, but we made a big run at it. Uh, I think we're in better shape today to make a run at it than when we were sitting here this time last year. And I say that following what I said right before that. I thought last year we had a chance to make a heck of a run at it and had people in place that if we were healthy enough, uh, we might get them. And I think we're in better shape. (laughs) They're in better shape this year than they were last year. I don't necessarily agree or disagree. I think there are, uh, like, levels to both. Obviously, we lost Gregory and Amari. That's going to hurt. Contributors. Yes. Lyle, not as huge of a loss as I not, think. Yeah, not super bummed about that. 
but the other two, you know, they did a lot of big things in, in big moments. You, and there's another cut where Jerry talks about, you know, not being active in free agency. And, you know, the question, the immediate follow-up to this question was based on what makes you think that this team is better than last year because you've only taken away from it, really. And he said, you know, Micah, we saw last year that rookies can have a profound impact on, on a team. Yeah. Sure, they can. Micah Parsons is a generational player. Oh, yeah. Like you, you can't rely on you that. You can't rely on getting contributions like that from a rookie every year. It's, but it's from foolish. A group of rookies? Yeah. And we get a healthy Jabril Cox. We've got, you know, everybody in Dan Quinn's uh, system. system another year. You've got Dak actually playing football, not just rehabbing, sure. which is, I think, going to be huge. That's big. Yeah. And he, he, everyone I've seen, all the receivers and, you know, the tight ends that I've seen interviews from have said that Dak is noticeably throwing the ball mm-hmm. with incredible pace and velocity, much more zip on the pass. He can throw it from new angles and new, you know, mm-hmm whatever you call it as a quarterback, where your feet are at. And I think... Platforms. Yeah, platforms. There you go. Multiple platforms. In, in college, he was also kind of like a dual threat, you know? So I think you something hope, they underutilized last season was his rushing. Because you hope you, that they do that this year. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was too scary, I think, last year to throw him out to the dogs like that because he's just ankle. come back from injury. So I feel... I will say this, though. When we talk about the Cowboys and everything that they've lost... I like to look at things a lot like I looked at the NBA Finals this past year. We kept talking about, you know, if the Celtics do this, and then if they do this, and Jason Tatum has a big game, and they, the turnovers are cut. It, the list got to about five, six, seven things that we talked about. If they do this right, they will beat the Warriors mm-hmm. in game five. Yeah, six, yeah, yeah. Right? There's a long list of things to do right over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It feels like Jerry's list of if this guy steps up and we get some contributions from the rookies and this guy takes a leap forward this year. It, there are so many ifs that there aren't these ifs with other teams because they've solidified it with proven talent. Mm-hmm. So I always feel like when there's a lot of ifs, you're asking for a lot of things to have to go right, which is statistically just it's hard to get that many things to go right in a game that is so... Yeah. Inconsistent. And you're also talking about a team that one of its major issues was penalties last year. We don't know if they if they've cleaned that up. Clock management. We don't know if they've cleaned that up at all this year. I know they're they're working on it, but they told us they worked on it last year. Yeah. You know? Well, I can tell you we've cleaned up about half the flags. <laughs> Connor Williams. <laughs> because exit. Connor Williams is gone. <laughs> but you bring in a rookie. Yeah. It's fair. And that's you don't know if he's gonna be better or worse. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like with all the unknowns, it is a very difficult proposition to assume that this is a team that's going to be better or even in a better position than it was last year. Right now, I think the Eagles did a lot more this offseason to supplement a whole lot of their losses and make them a better football team than they were last year. Yeah, the Eagles are definitely better, but this is, you know, it's a quarterback driven league and they've got a really good one in Dallas. and yeah Dak is easily top 10 probably higher than you know I'd put him between six and eight probably but I think that 
CD is also going to have that Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase type year. I hope so, but he, that's another if. Yeah, but I mean, it. He's a proven commodity, though. He's going to more if. touches, more looks. He's going to show out, and he's going to have that. I think CD's going to easily again fall within that top ten. Probably he could fall into the top five with the mm-hmm. amount of looks he's going to get. So the thing so. though is, can he find that consistency? Remember, yeah. we heard from not only. Amari Cooper, but Michael Gallup as well in terms of talking about if Kellum features him. It, yeah. It's another if. Mm-hmm. So we got we to gotta understand that the Dallas Cowboys, he will be as of right featured. now, are not in as good a position as they were last year. I think it's just some, in some ways we're not, but in some ways I think we are. We brought back everyone on the defense besides mm-hmm. Randy. But. Can you expect 11 interceptions well, from Well, no, you can Diggs never expect that from anybody ever. He'd had the most ever. And that's going to so, be a regression. Yeah, but <laughs> a regression uh, in some places in terms of interceptions could be, you know, a step forward in keeping your man in front of you and being a mirror corner. AB could step up and have a lot more interceptions. So I think there's a give and take. So I think... We'll be fine. Do you think we need to temper our expectations for Trayvon Diggs? No. I think he's no. proven that he's a, yeah. a legit corner. I just, like he said, I would like to see him not give up as many yards as he did in terms of gambling on getting turnovers. He is Jack Thompson. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Hangover. Next, we get a former Rock the Micer like Katie herself. Brandon Medina is going to join us as we get ready for UFC 277. Peña Nunez, among others. Brandon has boots on the ground up in Dallas for tonight's big match. We're going to talk about it, break it down, and let you know what possibly you want to throw your money on because Brandon is a big proponent of that as well. I would bet Amanda Nunez. <laughs> San Antonio sports star. The Saturday morning hangover. We got Brandon Medina coming up next right here. 1250 AM, 941 FM. This is Jason Minnick on your home for Dallas Cowboys football. San Antonio sports star, ESPN AM, 1250 and 941 FM. Welcome back into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio sports star, 941 FM, AM, 1250. By the way, k Love me some k He was at Float Fest last weekend out in Gonzalez, Texas, so... It's always good to get a little Cachinata going in the morning. But we get ready for UFC 277, which is here in Texas up in Dallas. And we got a man with boots on the ground, a former rock the micer himself. Big Poppy. Big Poppy Brandon Medina in the house. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are ready to go, man. It's going to be a crazy night of UFC fights, gentlemen. How are we doing? Hopefully nobody is hungover. Unfortunately, your boy is, but we're boots on the ground. Boots on the ground, and I would expect nothing less from you, but you already sound like you're bringing the the fire. And I I, I was going to say, you don't sound hungover. You sound like you're just went straight through the night into this and are yeah, getting ready better for the than night. Me. <laughs> listen, listen me, me, me and Jack are in our prime. <laughs> I, hey, I've stretched my prime. I'm like Tom Brady. I, my prime just keeps extending. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> now, UFC 277, obviously the headliner of this fight is the rematch between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez. Like, that is the fight of the fights tonight. Break it down for us. What do you expect out of tonight's rematch in which Pena 
with the huge upset last time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, for me, being a betting man, obviously, Juliana Peña was uh, one of, if not the biggest underdogs to ever win a title match in the UFC. So, I mean, if you bet Peña last time, you're probably going to want to ride with her again, simply for the fact that you probably won a ton of money. <laughs> um, and so, when it comes to this fight, obviously, the odds have changed, gentlemen. So, I got in on this fight about a week ago, a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I got Nunez at about 180, minus 180, which is the lowest she's ever wow. been. She's usually like a minus 1,000 favorite. Um, and right now, she's still only a minus 300 favorite. So when it comes to, to, the, to the lines, they're really, really starting to kind of take away some pressure on Nunez and kind of give a little bit of play for people looking at that on the fight. But when it comes to the fight itself, um, I've been watching the Ultimate Fighter for a while, who both of those were coaches this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at it, all last fight, Juliana Peña dominated groundwork, dominated with trying to get submissions, finally got that submission and tapped it on Ana Nunez, which seemed like a, I mean, a David versus Goliath matchup. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to this fight, I think Amanda Nunez is going to be a lot more prepared for that ground game. She is the most dangerous female on the planet. Yeah, um, I truly believe we will. Jeez. I truly, I truly oh. believe we will not see. She is horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Amanda Nunez will knock out all of us in the first round um, together <laughs> at the one time. Um, I'm not stepping crazy. foot in that ring. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I think this is going to be a different fight, gentlemen. I think this is going to be uh, a fight where Amanda Nunez is prepared. She's uh, she's hungry for vengeance, and that's not somebody I would want across from me when uh, when I just whooped her ass last time. <laughs> Brandon, this is Katie here. I have a question. What what is the biggest difference between men's UFC and women's UFC? Like, what are oh, some of the great, biggest strategical question. differences you see? Yeah, I think when you watch it, I would absolutely say that when it comes to the women fighters in the UFC. Um, I don't think it's out of the question to say it's probably more entertaining at times. Um, I think yeah. they they do not shy away from absolutely throwing hands from mm-hmm. the start. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, when it comes to the men, it's a lot more. I feel like strategic about ground game, about the clinch, about figuring out you know Muay Thai versus Jiu Jitsu and this and versus that. Whereas mm-hmm. when it comes to the women, it's a straight up all out brawl. Yeah. And I think we've seen that. Um, Especially really? from Nunez. <laughs> well, it's not yeah. just Nunez. I mean, look at look back just a couple of fights ago at 275, where you had Jerzdecki and Zhang and oh, Shevko love, and oh, Santos. Great. Like they had some of the better fights of mm-hmm. that entire card. Yep. Yeah, I think over the past two years, you've seen more fans actually push to see more women involved. Yeah. For the fact that that I mean it's just they're they're winning knockout of the night, they're winning match of the night, they're winning fights of the year. I mean they're winning huge accomplishments that has really changed the game. And so I think when it comes to answer Katie's question of I think the strategy in the men almost sometimes waters down the product because people are looking for the excitement. People are looking not only just for the knockout, but you know, some some excitement in the fight, something moving and some electricity. And sometimes um, you don't get that in some fighters. Some fighters just kind of stick to themselves and do their own thing. But when it comes to the women, they always show out. They always either take it straight to the ground, take it straight to the stand-up. And, I mean, usually it's very rare you're going to see a decision in a women's fight versus a men's fight. I think they really are quick about just getting right to the point and throwing hands. He is Brandon Big Poppy Medina. You can follow him on Twitter at Big Poppy Brandon M. 
He is our UFC insider, boots on the ground up at 277 in Dallas. Now, Brandon, I got a, co- I got a couple of questions for you here because you are huge on both of these things. A, the UFC in general. So I want to take the Pena-Nunez fight off the board. What okay. fight are you most intrigued by on this card? And which fight are you most intrigued by as a better? Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. So for me, the fight I'm most intrigued by, just simply I'm looking forward to watching, um, is going to be Magomed Ankali versus Anthony Smith. Um, Anthony Smith just a few years ago was fighting John Jones for a title, was fighting mm-hmm. you know these, these huge uh, light heavyweights that have – really set the pace for the UFC and now he's opening the main event or opening the main card um, against a very up and coming uh, fighter who is just dangerous. I mean, knockout heavy, really, really tough to go against, but Vegas has him as a crazy favorite. I think the last time I saw it was like minus six something. Um, and so it's a, it's, it's a tough matchup for Anthony Smith, but as a better um, I think there's ways to get around that as far as like, you know, going over round one, over round two, um, if you think they're going to go decision, stuff like that. There's a way to get out of it without picking a fighter. Uh, but I think that's the one that interests me the most just because you're seeing somebody who, quote unquote, kind of had a fall from grace as far as fighting these top notch fighters to now opening the pay-per-view. But I do think there's still a lot left in them. And then as for me as a, as a better, there's <laughs> nobody else that I've ever won more money on in the UFC than my man Derek Lewis. Nobody no, there's nobody at all that I've ever won more money with than Derek Lewis, and he is plus money right now. He's plus, I believe, 150 in his matchup. So there's plus money for the biggest, most baddest knockout artist. <laughs> Black Beast. In the UFC. He has the most knockouts ever in the heavyweight division. I'm not going to bet against it. He is facing a really tough Russian named Sergey Pavlovich, who's uh, pretty dangerous as well. But, I mean, Derek Lewis is Derek Lewis. The only thing with Derek Lewis is <laughs> – you only got to watch the first round. If it goes past the first round, you're probably going to lose that bet because he's going to gas out. So you don't have to watch long. I was going to say, what makes Derek Lewis so good? Oh, he's just that a yeah. monster. Bet all your money yeah. on him. He's just a monster. Yeah, I, think I think it's the power. I he's, mean, he's a, he, yeah. he has one touch ability where if, I mean, a jab could knock you out. It doesn't yeah. have to be a hook. Um, and I think the only thing is, to, to go on the opposite of that, Katie, is the guy gasses out every single fight he has. He just is never conditioned well. So it's one of those things where if he doesn't knock you on the first round, the odds are you're losing that bet. It was a lot one like and done Tyson, guy. right? It was a lot like Tyson. You, you tried to get him into the later rounds and avoid that first round knockout, and that's what Holyfield did was exposing his conditioning. Yeah, and, I, and that's the one thing is this guy, Sergey Pavlovich, is fighting as a Greek I'm a wrestler, so – um, Derek Lewis can, can wrestle with the best of them, but he's, that's not his game. And so if they, if they go to the ground or something like that, I would definitely probably get a little worried. But if you want to play it safe and maybe not pick a winner, you can go ahead and pick um, for the fight just to end as a TKO or KO. And I think that's probably the best bet because I think one of them is going to knock out the other. They're two heavyweight monsters, the two <laughs> big boys going at it. I do think this is not going to be a decision. Um, no Derek Lewis fight rarely goes to a decision, so I would, I would definitely place my safe money on that or take Derek Lewis. Another fight I'm looking forward to is the the Costa fight. We saw Costa flying through the flyweight ranks on his way to his title fight with Adesanya, and then he got supremely humbled, and now he's dropped another one since then. So from starting at 13 and 0. 
to losing his next two fights after Yoel Romero to Adesanya and Vittori. I want to see if that man can bounce back because he is a physical specimen. That guy is a beast, and he was, you know, looking like mm-hmm. the top contender bar none in that league or in that division. So I'm I'm really really excited to see what he brings out against Rockhold. What do you, what do you think about that one, Big Poppy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was coming up, I think uh, I think I think Costa's a, a, a talent, man. The dude is just like you said. He's a He's an athletic freak. Um, Rockhold has had his own um, knockout power in the past. I mean, Rockout, not, Rock, oh, Rockhold knocked out Yoel Romero, who's no longer in the UFC, but was a huge fan favorite as well. Um, you have Costa, who is just, I mean, me and him have a similar body type with our build, you know what I mean? So I, think <laughs> I it's, see it. Uh, <laughs> I know, but I think, I think the, the guy is, is, is very legit, and I think you see a lot of these guys have to kind of get humbled quickly in their early on. Uh, successful UFC career. Um, it hasn't happened to Adesanya yet, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Never will. But, Style bender. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know if it will either, but uh, with Costa, I think he's one of those guys that has that chip on the shoulder that maybe he didn't have before, and that's always dangerous when you get put in the cage against somebody else. He is Brandon Big Poppy Medina, former Rock the Miker, former host of so many things here, including Down for the Count, the Sunday Sports Grill. He is our UFC insider. One more thing before we let you go. I'm going to throw you a curveball because I know the fantasy season is fastly approaching. Oh, yes. You've got to have a couple of sleepers on your on the top of your tongue already. Oh, my God. So many. So, <laughs> so many I go to the fantasy I, God I, himself. I have been mock drafting for a week and a half. As I'm <laughs> oh, that's nothing. That's I've nothing. Been mock drafting. I just been yeah I've been in it and I know I know Jack Tox is over there too because me and him were running that ESPN league last year, uh, but when it comes to uh, uh, excuse me yeah listen listen your boy was like seven and zero the first weeks and then it was a fall from grace like Costa but your anyway, boy is the champ <laughs> listen when it comes to sleepers um, there's a ton man I think I think I love I'm getting a lot of stock in um, Alan Lazard really really late um, mm-hmm. getting a lot of stock. When it comes to the running back position, I think DeAndre Swift's going to have a massive year and for the um, for the value you're getting him. And I think for value, another one that I'm sure Jack and maybe you guys might not like, but I'm, I have a lot of stock in Zeke Elliott in the late third, fourth round. Sure. Uh, if I'm getting him there, I'm jumping all over him. Yeah, no problem. I mean, the dude has not had – he's not he's never been lower than 12th in the running back position in all the years he's been in the NFL. I'm taking that 100 times out of 100 in that late round. So a lot of that, and then, of course – when it comes to rookies, I'm shooting my shot on Chris Olave over there in New Orleans. Okay. Um, there's a there, there's a ton of when it comes to quarterbacks, you could get Russell Wilson really really late for whatever reason. Um, so there's a lot of sleepers I'm looking at, especially when it comes to that. And then of course, uh, good old Schultz over there in, in the cow with the Cowboys in Dallas is another one I'm taking really really late and skipping a lot of the popular names to get. Who do you like for the Kansas City Chiefs? Because it was easy in the in the pre past iterations of the Chiefs. You had Mahomes and you or outside of Mahomes you had Kelsey and you had Tyreek Hill. Now Tyreek Hill gone, Kelsey's no. the main option, but he's gonna have to have a secondary option. Which one of their additions do you like most so far and where? Yeah, you know, I think uh where Juju's going it's a fair price tag. I do think where McCole Hardman is going though is even better if you can snag it late. Um just because there's no 
there's no real risk for a high reward. Um, but even then, I think Juju's going in like the eighth, ninth round. So, I mean, that's not a, that's not a big ask either. But I know McCole Hardman is going in like 13, 12. And so, um, either one of those I think is a fair value. For me, I would stick with McCole Hardman. We've seen it before. We've seen the boom-bust potential, the Tyreek hill S uh, long-distance plays. And I think mm-hmm. for Mahomes, he's going to need to do that. And Juju can be all that and more. You think it's Juju McCall or Hardman. MVS? Because MVS has no. that speed. Yeah, he does. He does. And I like MVS a lot. I just, I for some reason, I don't know. I don't look at MVS as a possible breakout. Uh, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. that's just—it's not even on my radar as far as to even like. I have no stock in him in any drafts I've done, but Fair. I think if you can get him late, sure. I just like McCole Hardman because he's a proven commodity that's been there, done that, has those boom bust weeks. And if you're looking for possibly a week winner on a week to week basis, um, I don't know if you're going to find that every single week, but I think McCole Hardman or Juju will be that uh, pretty fantasy relevant as it goes into the season. He is Brandon Medini. Ugh, he is Brandon Medina, Big Poppy. Follow him on Twitter at Big Poppy Brandon M. Brandon, thanks so much for taking some time out early this morning to join the Hangover. Sounds good, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Make sure to check out the event, and uh, I'll make sure to give him and use a big old hug and make sure she knows that I mean no harm. <laughs> well, you know I'm gonna be checking it out at the Roop Pub tonight, so there, there's no love lost there. Oh yeah, man. I listen. That sounds like a Hangover in the morning. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Brandon Medina joining us here on the Saturday Morning Hangover. When we come back, we're going to put a bow on the show and get you ready for the rest of the sports weekend. This is the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. San Antonio Sports Star on the go. Get the latest news, podcast, and more at sasportstar.com. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Just a couple minutes left in the show. Guys, it's our last weekend without football for real, for real, as the Hall of Fame games get to go in. We are 39 days, I believe, away from the start of the NFL season. We're just uh, about 30 days away from the college football season. 100 days from college basketball. And there it is. Specifically. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the one nobody's even thinking about. Jack's got you covered. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but this is this is kind of the last weekend to kind of get your things in order. Get you mm-hmm. know, if you got some things you want to do, go do them because football's about to consume everybody's lives very very quickly. Anybody got any plans this weekend? Kay, I know you're heading out to the SAFC game. Yep, doing the SAFC game, and I was going to say, you know, don't forget there's soccer still. I know that's like. The last thing what? on your mind. What is this? <laughs> what what is, is this game you speak of? What is this odd sport across the pond you're referring to? <laughs> yes. So there's things other than football, guys. It's gonna be okay. Blasphemy. What? It's gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? What? It's... Jack, you got a tournament? Yeah, I do. I'm going straight to the gym after this. Hopefully, get me a chip. Which, by the way, a congratulations to the Toros, but b congratulations to the class. That once again, back to back defending champs of the alumni tournament. Yup. Yes, sir. Baller. Class of 14, back to back. I got to give you your props. He went in there. He said he was going for that for that second straight. He got that second yep. straight. <laughs> Jack Thompson, you, 
I don't call what you. I don't care what you call him, but it better, <laughs> better call, him call me champ. <laughs> he is Jack Thompson. She is Katie Goodman. I am James Pledger. This has been the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star.